I remind you, we're reading from the King James Version this whole month, as that would have been the text that was available to our founders. This morning, we're back in the Hebrew Scriptures, reading the 29th chapter of Proverbs, verse 18, where the author states, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This is the Word of God for the people of God. There's a story about John Adams and the governor of Massachusetts having this ongoing debate about this idea that these colonies might declare their independence. And the governor of Massachusetts said the only way that can end is in a loss. There is no way we will win. And it's recorded that Adams replied that even if that struggle ended in death, that would be a gain not a loss, since death is better than slavery. And when we read stories like that, about our founding fathers, I think we begin to understand the depth of commitment they had and how deeply they felt that this was something really important to do and, in fact, something they believed God wanted them to do, to take this step on behalf of all humanity, to declare that we have certain rights that come from God and that there should be no government that should withhold those from the people. When they wrote the Declaration, they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to uphold what they had declared because they knew that there was a great chance they were going to suffer loss personally. And they did. By one account, 15 of them lost their home, either was damaged, destroyed, or confiscated by the British forces. Twelve either were taken captive or members of their family were taken captive. One lost his wife while she was a captive to death. Two lost sons to death during the Revolution. One lost his own life during that time. Would we be that willing, that courageous to stand up for our liberty, for our country, for the ideals we hold and say we believe in and say we are committed to? I'm afraid over this expanse of years that it's just so easy to be born here and to experience it and take it for granted and not realize how important it was to those first founders to say, this is the way it ought to be, and we're willing to pledge all of what we are and all of what we have to make it so. Years after the Declaration, they wrote the Constitution. They began with the phrase, we the people. Now, we appreciate strong leaders, but always in America, there's this dynamic between the leadership and the people. And the power is to be in the hands of the people. But that means, of course, we have to do our part. And it seems to me, as of late, we've become a little unsure about that. We've become a little unsteady in believing, as the founders did, that God is at work in the world for good, and we can cooperate with that. Maybe it's because we've experienced terrorism on our own land, and that makes us a little insecure Maybe it's the economy being kind of bumpy and we get the sense maybe we're not going to have this sustained prosperity 
that our parents and grandparents experience. Maybe it's that news cycle that 24-7 reminds us that there's war and conflict and bloodshed going on all the time somewhere on the planet. But for whatever reasons, it seems that we've become just a little unsure of ourselves and lost a sense of confidence in ourselves and in our country. I think it helps to remember in 1776, those were turbulent times too, that all the founders did not agree with each other about the direction we should go or even if we should take this step. If you haven't been to the play and you come this afternoon at 2, you'll see how the author of that juxtaposes these different characters. They did not all think we should do what we ended up doing in terms of taking that step. They had different views politically and, and religiously and argued vigorously with one another, but they were finally able to come together to declare our independence. And Michael Novak in his book On Two Wings that I've been telling you about all this month does such a great job of showing how the things that came together, these two wings as he calls them, faith and common reason, made it possible for our founders to take such a bold step. You can see that kind of continue throughout the founding decisions. There were a group of people, Ben Franklin chief among them, that were charged with the responsibility of coming up with our currency. If you look on the back of a $1 bill that they designed, you'll see the Latin words annuet coeptus. It means God has favored our undertaking. This idea that they were doing God's will by declaring independence and freedom goes as a theme throughout our founding. They had a vision that was rooted in the Judeo-Christian formulation about God and humanity and that we were created with free will. And it's a formulation about freedom and equality for all people. Now, our founders were not perfect. They did not get it all right the first time. But they had the vision that people were created by God to be free and equal, and we should create governments that make that possible. We find the wisdom about that biblical concept in this phrase we read this morning from Proverbs, from the Hebrew Scriptures, where there is no vision, the people perish. Certainly that would have been true of the early colonists, that without a great vision, one, they would have never come, but two, they would have never been able to forge a nation. They had a great vision of what could be, of what God wanted to have happen. They saw a future different from their past. They saw a future that was a vision of a community of people living by the rule of law as established in the Bible. Oh, we can see it in the Ten Commandments, but for us, most clearly, we see it in the person of Jesus Christ who talked about a community of love and forgiveness that talked about the chief commandment being love of God and love of neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. Live together with your brothers and sisters, exuding that kind of service and love. The word out of the New Testament for that kind of love is agape. That means to will the good for the other. But not only to will the good, but be willing to do the good, to work, to serve another so the good might come to them. It's a vision of a different kind of community than the world had really known before. Alexis de Tocqueville was an astute observer from Europe who came and traveled across the colonies in the early states. He observed 
that he had never seen a nation like this before. For he said at the very core, at the very center, he says these Americans have this idea of service or volunteerism where they're supposed to help their neighbor. He said he had never seen anything like it. And he said it created a different kind of texture among the people in our country. I think he was right. I think our founders were working to that. And in fact, they believed that if we lost that, we would not long last if we lost our virtue rooted in faith. It seems to me that our challenge is twofold. We have to keep that vision clear before us in our own minds. And secondly, though, we have to be willing to stand tall for this vision that we believe is a godly vision of how we're supposed to work, a vision that God has created us all as free and equal people, and that we're to work towards circumstances which allow everyone to exercise those freedoms, not just this one we enjoy this morning of coming together to worship. But we have a whole list of those in our Bill of Rights about freedom of speech and freedom of press, freedom to assemble, freedom to debate things. In our culture, that's okay. You can look at current events and realize that the changing over of political power from one person or one regime to another doesn't always go smoothly. I think just like we often take coming here in freedom, come when we want, don't come, no one is going to say anything except for maybe the pastor. <laughs> is that we're free to do that. But also we, we're able to vote for presidents or vote for representatives and the winner takes the seat and the loser does not and we don't have a revolution breakout. We don't have a rebellion. We don't have somebody bombing the other person's office I think we take a lot of this for granted and so important that we remember that we have a role to play as we, the people, particularly Christian people, that we're to exercise our freedom to fulfill these ideals. A friend of mine sent me an email recently. It talked about a pastor that was in a small church that was really struggling. It said the pastor was up against the wall. The roof was leaking. It was summer and the air conditioner had broken. He went to the checkbook, to the treasurer, and there's no money to fix anything. He finally decides that even though he doesn't want to, he's going to have to say to the congregation, you all have to step up. We need you to make more contributions. But to make it all worse, the regular organist was out for surgery, so he had a substitute organist. But he told her, said, listen, I'm going to have to say something really hard this morning to these people. And then right after that, we're going to have the offering. So I need you to play something stirring to inspire them. And she said, okay. So it got to that point in the service, and he began to share the dire news. But as he began to talk about it, he kind of got himself inspired. You know how preachers do that sometimes. You kind of get fired up because you really like how it's coming out. And he decided he was going to take some pledges right there. So he said, I'll tell you what, if you'll give an extra hundred dollars this year stand up right now and just like you no one moved <laughs> and there's this awkward silence the substitute organist decides it's her time she selected the star-spangled banner she begins to play everybody's up and that's how the substitute organist became the regular organist from then on You're okay, Susan. <laughs> but what moves you to stand up? 
What moves you to service? You know, sometimes we're called to stand up for something and we defer. We shrink from the task. Is God calling you? Has God been prompting you to stand tall for something? To serve someone else and you're, you're hesitating? It's important to know that God is counting on us. He wants us to be people of vision, people of virtue, people of action, to create this community of goodwill that thinks about the common good and how we can serve one another. Sometimes in our country, the way we have seen this is a call to arms, and we honored those who have responded to that call here this month. But sometimes the most patriotic service we can give our country is to call into question a particular direction that our country is beginning to take or a particular policy that's being promoted. Sometimes we stand up for something. Sometimes we have to stand against something. That has been important since the founding. Maryland was founded in such a way that only Protestants could hold office. The Roman Catholic lay people stood up and said, that's not right. That's not fulfilling the ideals of which we speak. I told you last week about the Baptists in the Commonwealth of Virginia who stood up because they were being required by the state in conjunction with the official church of England to get a license to preach the gospel. And the Baptists said, that's not right. It happened when General Washington became President Washington and people were so enamored with his leadership. Some wanted him to be king, but surely most wanted him to continue in power. He could have centralized power. Instead, he stepped away and said, No, that's not the way we're going. We've seen it in other kinds of movement for rights, certainly in the movement for women's rights. People had to stand up and say, No, the way we're doing it is not correct. Or in the movement for civil rights, others stood up and said, No, this is not right. This is not the vision of the community where all are freer and equal. We have other issues today. There might be a stirring in you. God might be drawing you to help us become a better country and to stand up for something or to stand against something. Civic engagement and participation of the people was part of the ideal the founders had. We don't all agree on the vision, but we're all called upon to participate, to bring our voice to the discussion, to make our contribution. Our scriptures tell us that God has created us in such a way that all of us are given a talent to use for the good or the common good. Are you using that talent? Are you working on seeing where God might be leading you to engage for the good of all the rest of us? Do not deprive us of what God has given you by shrinking back from that call or that challenge. Do you know the name Joseph Warren? Joseph Warren. I did not know the name until I read Novak's book. But he said he was the most well-known physician in the 1700s in Boston. In fact, he delivered all the babies of John and Abigail Adams. He was the premier fellow in town in terms of medical care. But as the struggle for independence began to heat up, he felt like he needed to be a part of that. He joined the militia. He was part of the Sons of Liberty. He was there at Lexington. 
And then Novak tells the story that two months later, 3,500 British troops formed up, and it was clear they're getting ready to take over Boston. They're getting ready to institute martial law. They're going to put down this budding rebellion. And Joseph Warren was ready to stand. And so on the morning when it appeared the British were getting ready to come, the Minutemen, the militia, formed up. And Joseph Warren, by that time being such a leader, was a major general. And he stood with his forces. And so the battle broke out. And here come the 3,500, not nearly as many sons of liberty, of Minutemen, of militiamen are standing there. But they break the initial charge. The British come a second time. They break it a second time. They begin to come the third time, and the Americans run out of ammunition. The retreat is sounded. Almost everyone begins to fall back. But Joseph Warren and a few others say, we're going to stay right here. And he was last seen alive, fighting hand-to-hand in combat until he was hit by a bullet and it killed him. The British forces decapitated him and took his head to General Gage as part of their victory celebration. Novak writes, Freedom is always the most precarious regime. Even a single generation can throw it away. Every generation must decide. Warren had spoken to his troops before that battle broke out. I want to read to you what he said because I think it speaks to all of us in terms of our civic responsibility. Joseph Warren had told the men of Massachusetts, our country is in danger now, but not to be despaired of. On you depend the fortunes of America. You are to decide the important questions upon which rest the happiness and the liberty of millions not yet born act worthy of yourselves. Act worthy of yourselves. We will decide the future of America based on whether or not we are a people of vision and action, if we're a people of goodwill, if we're people who are willing to sacrifice and serve others, if we're willing to be the ones who stand up for our values as people of integrity, we're the ones who will decide the future. Act worthy of the call upon your life that comes from God. Amen, and thanks be to God.